Hello, friends, and thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the PMDD podcast, and my name is Adriana. I am not a medical health expert. I am warning listeners that there may be sensitive topics surrounding mental health and health procedures. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. In today's episode, I have Debbie Bigger. Welcome, Debbie, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I think it's been a little bit long time coming with this one as well. Um, a little backstory between how we sort of met. I posted, I think I must have posted, it must have been like two, three months ago on Instagram that I was looking specific, specifically for someone to come on as a partner to chat. Um, And you straight away wrote back and said, yes, my partner is interested. So we're yet to have him on, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, which is fine. But it was interesting. Then we started chatting again. And then I sort of looked into your backstory and I was like, Debbie, why aren't we interviewing you? You have a very interesting background and what you're doing in the space now. So um, first of all, where are you in the world? So I'm in New Zealand, so the land of the hobbits. Um, And, yeah, I haven't moved much past New Zealand. So, yeah, born and bred here. Yeah. Excellent. And so, I mean, I guess we'll get straight into, I mean, were you diagnosed with PMDD? Yes. So, but I didn't didn't get diagnosed until uh, probably maybe later 20s so I think looking back that I probably had it from when I was about 16 so I had a stillbirth so I think the trauma of that might have kick-started it and then uh, probably wasn't until maybe early 20s oh no no would have been a little bit later than that I was working in mental health and I came across it in a DSM manual uh, diagnostic manual And as I read through the symptoms, I was like, oh, my God, this is so me. And I went and spoke to uh, one of the psychiatrists who was really lovely. And he said, that probably does sound like what you have. And from there, it's probably been a very long road of, um, yeah, trying to get the right type of treatment. So I spent years trying all sorts of things, antidepressants and marinas and pills and all sorts of stuff Um, and I didn't get any relief probably until about maybe seven years ago when I had a trial of Zolodex Mm -hmm. Uh, so that shut down my ovaries and put me into menopause and then from that oh and then I had HRT and then so from that uh, I decided to have my ovaries out So I still feel like I have a slight cycle, but it doesn't feel like there's a rhyme or rhythm to it. So it's kind of a little bit weird. So I just like at the moment of going through a bout of a little bit of low mood and probably a little bit of anxiety. And every now and again, I get what I call, I guess, PMDD flu. So I wake up and as soon as I wake up, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm getting sick. And then it takes me like a good hour to realise, oh, I'm not actually getting sick. This is PMDD flu. So it just, I'm, I don't even know what creates that, but it wipes me out for the day. And I just pretty much just sleep all day. And then the next day I come right again. So 
yeah, but compared to what how I was, just so much better. Mm. So this PMDD flu, when does that come about? Like where in the oh, where in the cycle? Well, that's it. I can't track it. It's uh, just very random. Mm. So I'm not sure whether the H something about the HRT creates that or stress, but it's definitely connected in there somewhere. Yeah. Right. And do you mind do you mind me asking how old you are? So I'm 50, 52. So I've had my ovaries out probably for maybe seven, seven years. Right. And it and really so, was a So when you were investigating this and doing the research, what around about year was this? I'm not sure what year, but um, so do you mean the PMDD when I Yeah, so when it? you were like looking into it and someone saw and there was it was actually written in the books. That's what I'm like trying to get at. Yeah. So that probably uh, might have been when I was maybe 28, around there, 27, 28. So I spent quite a few years being really unwell up to that point and not knowing what was going on. Yeah. And, and I'd and had the, a cut. Sorry, keep going. Sorry. And I uh, had a partner that kept giving me feedback that you he kept saying, you've got really bad PMS. Mm. And then I started taking things along that line. So like early primrose and stuff like that but of course that stuff did nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and back then I definitely didn't do anything to help so I was a massive drinker which would make the um symptoms way worse yeah right right yeah because I'm I, the right reason why I asked is because um there was actually medical professionals that you mentioned that were like that you know were supporting your invest, you know your research as well. It's like yeah, that's what that's what it is. Yeah, and I've always been quite lucky because I've had a very good GP mm-hmm. who has uh, taken on board what I've said. And uh, to start with, he did. I think we tried. Yeah, we tried all sorts of things, antidepressants and whatnot, and I tried the marina. But I had, I didn't even think about it at the time, but I had a really severe reaction. Like the lady couldn't even put it in. Like I felt like my body went into shock. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, then he sent a referral to the gynae and the first gynae was terrible. He he just said, oh, well, looks like you've tried everything. Good luck with all of that. And did absolutely nothing. And so I went back to the doctor and I said, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Can I see somebody else? So he sent me to somebody else. And that guy was awesome. He was really open. And he said, What are you thinking? What are you thinking you might want to try? And that because the first guy and he said, There's no way we're doing any operations, we'll just make things worse. So I just felt like I was pretty much shut down and didn't have a say in my own health or health process. Whereas the second guy was awesome. He was just really open and I think from memory, he might have suggested Zolodex. I can't remember if I, I brought it up or he did. I can't remember, but he was really open anyway. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And so so tell me about the journey with the Zolodex as well a little bit. So, uh, so yeah, when I first started taking it, uh, probably took two weeks, and then I went through um, quite a rough patch. Luckily, I, I was on leave at the time. And my mood just became very unstable. It was awful. So just very teary-eyed and quite a bit of anger stuff and feeling really stressy. 
Uh, and then so I started the HRT and then everything just settled. And I honestly, I could not believe how good I felt. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much I've suffered over the years. Because you kind of just put up with things and you tolerate it and it becomes your norm. Mm. And up, leading up to that, I would spend two weeks feeling really, uh, really up, really positive, highly motivated. And then the two weeks from when I ovulated was just a downhill slide into a big nightmare and I would often just spend days and days in bed watching Netflix or not Netflix back then but movies just trying to survive and so I thought about this uh, quite a while after having my ovaries out I had a realization that since I've had them out I have not spent any time in my bedroom or in bed sick I mean, apart from the PMDD flu. Mm. And when I was on, on the Zolodex, I thought, I don't know why I thought this, silly Debbie, I thought, oh, I wonder if it's all fixed now if I stop the Zolodex. May, maybe I'm fine. You know, like how people do with antidepressants. I'm feeling so good. Maybe I don't need them. So I stopped it. And I can't remember how long it was, but within a couple of days, I had my symptoms back. And honestly, it just felt so horrific. I was like, I can't even believe I lived like this. Like my thoughts were so distorted, racing, negative, low mood. Yeah. And I would spend, yeah, when I was unwell, I'd spend time on the back porch, chugging back on Siggy's, plotting and planning how to leave my partner when actually he'd done nothing wrong. So I was just, yeah, it was just always chaotic. Yeah. Mm, it's so interesting it's not until you start feeling like good <laughs> that you start yeah. you realize how bad it really was right yeah it was just mind-blowing totally yeah. do you want to just give maybe a little bit of a um intro into your partner and how he has supported you through this we won't go into too much depth because I do want him on here but I do I okay. But, but maybe just a snippet because I have had a um a, a brief chat with him and I just can't wait to have him on. He just he he sounds great. <laughs> the ideal yeah, partner is. to have when you He's, when you're going through PMTT. So yeah, so I met Ian. I'd been single for about eight years. My son at the time was eight years old. And Ian's just got a very nice way of being in the world. He's very supportive. and so, He doesn't even have to do anything, but he kind of oozes being nurturing. Oh. So he was always uh, very supportive around the PMDD staff, but he did find it extremely stressful, like, I guess in terms of feeling helpless. And uh, sometimes, well, at, probably at the start, he found it very hard not to personalise when I was angry. Like he didn't see that it was just the PMDD. It was one of the symptoms. Um, but nearer the end, he was he was really good. Like he totally got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'd just do whatever was needed. If, if I was having a bad day, he'd just tell me to go and jump in the bed and he'd look after the kids or do the shopping. Yeah. So he was, he's been a really, yeah, very good partner, very understanding. Mm-hmm. I can't, like I said, I can't wait to have him on. So um, let's let's jump into what you're doing at the moment in the space. Let's let's dive into this. Okay, so um, I've been a counsellor for twenty coming up twenty two years. Um, so I got I basically got into counselling because of my own journey of trauma. So I think that stuff 
I probably don't have, well, I don't have PMDD. I think it's more PME because mm. uh, I had quite a bit of trauma in my childhood. So that kind of drew, drew me into the wanting to help others. Um, so I've been, I've had a really great career. I've um, had some wonderful jobs and like most of them have been like the first in the country. So kind of pioneering stuff, which has been really um, exciting. So I had one of the first roles as an addiction counsellor based in mental health. So that was one of my first uh, big roles. And then from that, I moved into primary care, so supporting GPs in practice. Uh, so that was as an addiction counsellor. And part of it was uh, working in, working with, combined with mental health. Uh, so I did that for about six, seven years. And then I got a job out at the prison um, managing a drug treatment program. So I did that for about three years. And that was really awesome. It was such good experience. Um, so that was working with men with addictions and it was based in a Māori focus unit. So it was very uh, culturally focused. So I learned a lot there. And then uh, the last, I think it's coming up six years, I've been in private practice. So in private practice, I do uh, what we call ACC counselling, which is sensitive claims, so sexual abuse work. Uh, I still do primary care. So that's mild, supposed to be mild to moderate mental health, but it never is. It's just a free for mm. most of the time. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. Well, I enjoy all my work, um, but I guess the often PMDD or PME comes through my work that's undetected. So I really enjoy that um, and I feel yeah, blessed that I'm able to pick up or detect that stuff. So generally I ask women questions about their period and what their symptoms are like and particularly trying to sift through what is, uh, I guess, existing mental health stuff and what's been exacerbated. Um, and then from there, if, if it looks like there is a pattern, I definitely get them to do um, some tracking and I definitely write back to the GP and I'm always very careful about how I write it because obviously I'm not a doctor. So I just say, looks like there could be some traits of PME or PMDD. And I always give the GP links to um, IAPMD because I think, uh, yeah, probably a lot of people here don't know about PMDD. Um, and I yeah give them a whole lot of resources and I, so I also talk to the woman about um, links or pages that they can get support from. So in New Zealand, we have uh, a really good Facebook PMDD page, which I help run. That's been going for, it's probably been about eight or nine years now. Wow. And we're up to, I think, 700 people. And we were so lucky. We had uh, he's such a lovely man, uh, Jihan Cassandra. So he did a um, an article on stuff, which is kind of like a local internet-based internet media place on PMDD. And then from that, the group just skyrocketed. Um, so the, the page is run in a way that it's very peer support-based. So I don't have a lot of input apart from if there's a, a, any conflict or anything like that that comes up, I might jump in. Or if I find anything interesting to post, I do that. So the group is just very, uh, it just yeah, runs itself really, self-managing. Mm. What, what's the name of the group in case we've got anyone from NZ listening? 
So it's the New Zealand uh, PMDD support page. Excellent, excellent. And can you explain what PME is? Because I actually don't think I've actually spoken much about it. It's only briefly been discussed in previous episodes. What is PME and how is it different from PMDD? Okay, so I'm not a total expert on that, um, but all I do know is that um, PME is when you've had existing mental health issues and those mental health issues impact on your premenstrual symptoms. So it Mm. makes it worse, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Whereas PMDD kind of can sit on its own, so there's not pre-existing stuff. So at first, I definitely thought I had PMDD, but now I think it's PME Mm. because of my historic trauma. Mm. Mm. It's interesting that you should bring it up because when I started the podcast, I was in the same boat. A few, a few, a couple months in, I was like, started doing a bit more research into what, you know, someone mentioned PME and I thought, oh, let's look into that a little bit more. And I think, oh, Mate, that's that's sounding a lot like more like me as well at the time. Um, so it's yeah. interesting. So yeah, because if there is yeah that pre-existing before you start, because before I started menstruating, I had anxiety and depression prior to that. So it, yeah. it all kind of makes sense. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so we're going to bring up the big T word again, because I have spoken about this in other episodes. Um, And I just, I, I, I do wholeheartedly believe that it does play a part and that is trauma, trauma coming in. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more about that? Yes. I think trauma definitely has a huge impact. I, yeah, from, I guess my work and observations, I can see that for some women, it's almost kick-started their symptoms. Mm. Um, So I think there's a big link in. The other thing I've noticed, which I always find uh, really interesting, is especially my ACC work, so the sexual trauma work, is often Mm -hmm. women will have um, PME, but also will have huge other gynecological um, issues. So um trying to think of examples. Uh, so cancer type stuff, um, what do you call them? Um P P uh PCOS, is that right? Oh PCOS, um, yep. Yeah. Um so often often there's other things that are linked to it. So I find that really interesting. Yeah. Mm. So the I guess when you look at trauma work, it's about I guess if you address some of the underlying issues, then you can help. That will help manage the PME symptoms because they kind of they really do overlap in terms of the symptoms. So there'll be the anxiety, the low mood, uh, finding it hard to uh, focus and concentrate, the stress, overload. Um, so you're really just working with teaching people how to, I guess, manage those symptoms to reduce the symptoms. Mm. But if you have surgery uh, for as a treatment then you're still going to be left with the mental health stuff Mm. yeah so that that's the tricky part is that you might need ongoing treatment for that whether it's uh, like counseling or for some people's antidepressants yeah 
Mm, it's interesting you say that because um, that's something that I was thinking about and I think I read about that, that you know, that there was people that went out and had the surgery and then they're like, but I still have the symptoms. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's being able to um, dissociate having, there's PMDD, but then there's also, but if you had trauma, anxiety, depression, all this before having the surgery, it's still going, it's still going to be there. But, I, and maybe you can answer this question, maybe you can't, I, but I, the first thing that came into mind was, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be cyclical, right? So the, like, yes, is that right? If you have the surgery, then the cyclical part is removed. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then you're just left with the existing mental health stuff. Mm. Yeah. Whereas when you don't have surgery, you'll have the mental health stuff. And then when you ovulate, the mental health gets worse. Mm. That's my understanding. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what it, when you do come across um, people that are uh, showing symptoms of PMDD or PME, what are some of your go-to sort of um you know, what are some go-to practices or, you know, things that you suggest for them to to do to sort of um, be able to manage the symptoms? So, yeah, generally I will start with asking questions around, around their cycle and uh, around any symptoms and whether symptoms are worse or better or whatever around, around that time. Definitely get them to do, to start tracking um, and do it for a couple of months. And I always suggest them to um, go back to their GP as first port of call and uh, direct them to the um, IAPMDD site and so that they can have an understanding or they get that kind of connection to see if what they're experiencing is relatable. Um, and then I definitely encourage them to join some kind of support group because mm-hmm. the as we all know, that doing it on your own is really, really difficult. Um, and it's really helpful to, to be able to talk to others that understand the depths and the severity of the symptoms. Mm. Um, from there, in terms of treatment staff, I would just always walk them through what the options are or what the, I guess, the, yeah, timeline, I guess is what you would call it, um, of what the yeah different options are, so encourage them to make some simple changes around diet, introduce exercise if they can, uh, sleep hygiene. Mm. Uh, always teach them CBT to help try and manage the thoughts or recognise the difference between uh, normal anxiety thoughts and PMDD thoughts. So mm. they start to I guess disconnect or depersonalise from the PMDD stuff. Yeah. Mm, such an important one, the the ladder, what you were talking about is being able, yeah, to distinguish when that thought is yes. not real. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> when you're within it, it feels so real. Yeah. Totally, totally. And, I mean, you've had so many years' experience. How do you see... What are your like? What are your thoughts on where this, where the PMDD sort of space is going? Like, yeah, how? I mean, you've seen it sort of um, yeah. come a long way. Are we are we getting somewhere? Is what I'm trying to, I'm trying to 
is it, are we getting somewhere and is it is it getting faster with more answers oh definitely so when when i first started looking there there was literally nothing there was no support groups nobody knew anything and even the even the psychiatrist he was really lovely and very supportive but he wasn't aware of other people that had it. And my doctor wasn't mm. aware of anybody else. So I always felt like I was just this odd person to the side with this really weird disorder. Um, so if I think back to then to now, where people are definitely talking about it more, there's definitely way more awareness. But the biggest thing for me is there's places for women to go to now to mm. talk about and to be acknowledged and more importantly, to be validated Um and I think even in the counselling and uh, psychotherapy, psychology world, that more people are getting more um, educated about it so they have more awareness of what tools and what skills are going to be useful for people that come in. There's still a big gap in mental health services. So it's a common theme where I hear people say that um, if they try and contact uh a crisis team, for instance, they don't get the support that they need because mm. people don't still don't understand what PMDD is and they often get gaslit um, or their symptoms are minimised. Mm. Especially, I think, around the suicidal stuff. Like they'll even say things like, people have told me, um, just just go home and have a, make yourself a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, and this is somebody that's severely suicidal and had... Uh, attempts before I find that quite scary that's wow yeah so there there's I think a gap in mental health but I think uh like IAPMDD they do so much work I'm trying to think what did I see the other day and I was like man that's awesome something that that I knew which is bad that I can't remember now oh it'll come to me in a minute something that I thought that's so needed something new that they're doing yeah, I'll come back to that. We'll have to we'll have to go check out that website. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely something new, and I was like, "Wow, that's awesome!" So I feel like they're really on the ball. They're really listening to mm. women's needs, um, and there's a lot more research. The I'm probably a little bit out of the loop in terms of treat treatment stuff, but I feel like that's probably another area where there's gaps, and that's mainly around there is no cure mm. which is kind of a, a hard thing to have to tell a woman that there's no cure as such that you can yeah worst case scenario you can get everything taken out which then can have other mm. issues related to it and cause other yeah so it's very I think the journey I've gone off on a bit of a tangent but the journey of PMDD to me the biggest thing is the the grief and the loss that's connected to it yeah yeah so around relationships work um your how your body functions your mental health yeah it's huge Mm, absolutely absolutely and so what would you like to see happen in this space I think um I think it's tracking along well I, I feel like now a woman the are in general places for women to go and connect with others. It's, I think, around maybe the treatment stuff. I think it's sad that women have to have operations and 
yeah, to have that loss to, I guess, feel like that they can survive in the world. Mm. So I think, it, I think it is very sad. There is no cure as such. No, there's definitely ways to to manage it, but I yeah, but I, I agree with a, a full cure. But like you said, without getting everything taken out, which is just so extreme, and to to think that that's still yeah, you know, a viable option out there, and is um is yeah, it it, it terrifies me to be honest. It, it it it's 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 well, worrying it that that's still that still there. But but like you said, there are positives. We are making. It, I mean. Compared to five, ten years ago, we've made um, yes. and having IAPMD um, website and the crew behind that, which obviously I, I have in my show notes every episode because I think that that they, yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, that's where I was able to find out all my information in the beginning, etc. So I think that they yeah. need to be um, spoken about a lot more, and yeah, definitely have have them as a link. So. I always like to finish off on this question, um, especially with people that have been diagnosed with um, PMDD. What has been, what has been the positive for you? There's a, yeah. What's been the positive <laughs> from getting? You know, as much of everyone's like, really? <laughs> but yeah, I sense that there's there's lots of positives for you. I think. Um... Yeah, even though it's been really, diff- obviously, a very difficult journey. The other thing I didn't mention was the sad thing about PMDD or PME is that if you have surgery, you have to wait until you're in your late 40s and 50s, which means that you're spending potentially from, I don't know, 15, 16 up till then suffering with symptoms, which is really cruel. Um, I think... The positives for me is I feel like when when it comes out of my work, I have very deep empathy for people because I know what that's like. So I think I'm really good at validating others. And the, the passion I have to support others has been consistent over the years because I, I really just don't want people to suffer like I did on my own. Um, and have it, even with my friends, having feeling like no one gets it um, mm. and you're just really on your own suffering. Um, and the other one was that it helped motivate me to write a book. So I wrote a book on PMDD. So a little bit of my background is I didn't do very well at school because of my trauma. Mm. And I didn't, didn't know until recently that I'm really dyslexic. So uh, yeah, I think that's probably been one of my coolest achievements is being able to write a book to help others um, and being able to overcome my own issues about the writing of the book around yeah, focus and concentration and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, go a little bit more into the book. Tell, tell us more. Oh, okay. <laughs> Please. <laughs> So the book um, you can you can get it online through IAPMD, okay. um, and it's it's on Amazon, and it's also I have a website. If you just uh, Google Deborah Lee Bigger, it'll come up under that. And it kind of the book propelled me to write other books on mental health stuff and addiction stuff, but the PMDD one was definitely my first passion. Uh, so the book is very therapeutic. So it kind of uh, talks about parts of my own story. 
Mm. But most of it is focused on trying to manage the symptoms. So it's really skill and tool based. So things like teaching CBT, um, how to how to work with distress, uh, working with anger, how to minimise anger or uh, acting out on anger. Uh, and there's quite a bit of education stuff on there, but I've parts of it I've kept very light because I feel like IAPMDD do a nice job of the educational staff and the resources. So I've really just focused in on the therapeutic part. Mm. Yeah. So is this more for a practitioner or is this for every like for somebody with PMDD? Is it? Um, I think I, I think it's mainly for people that have it in mm. terms of the content but I have had other professionals contact me uh, to purchase it for working with clients working through it and I've also had uh, partners wanting to read it to get a better understanding so that's been nice oh perfect I just got goosebumps (laughs) yeah yeah because they they're such a big part of the picture as well right like oh they they need to be huge I think that's one thing that I would love to see is, you know, uh, the, the support for them. <laughs> yes. So you know, there is a, another area that needs building up on. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, well, I'll definitely pop um, the book web, like where people can purchase, et cetera, um, on the, the show notes and everything. Cause I think that that's, that sounds amazing. And I think, um, and I, and I love the fact that, yeah, people are, um, purchasing for for partners as well I think it would be a great um great tool well Debbie it's been so yeah sorry uh yeah sorry I forgot to mention and a percentage of the book sales goes back to IAPMD oh fabulous yeah Oh, I'm really happy that you mentioned that. Thank you. Well, Debbie, it's been so lovely having you on here. It's thank you so much for thank sharing you. all of that. I think I yeah, there were so many aspects, especially um, I haven't really had anyone come on and speak about going through the Zolodex and having um, you know, those types of treat, treatments. So thank you for, yeah. for sharing all of that. No worries. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been Yay. lovely to meet you. Yes, finally. Thank you. And, and thank you for all the work that you do in this space as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please ensure that you like, subscribe, follow, or whatever it is that you need to do to keep up to date with new episodes on your podcast listening platform. If you would like to get in touch with me, please email me at the PMDD podcast at gmail.com. Please make sure that you follow Instagram, which is at the underscore PMDD podcast. Thank you so much again. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Much love.